Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Daniel uh, chapter 10. A couple of verses. Daniel chapter 10, and I'm reading from... Let's read from verse 1. Daniel chapter 10, and I'm reading from verse 1. The Bible says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned. For three weeks, I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips. And I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. Skip down to verse 10. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up before I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. And then he continued, he said, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. What, what powerful words. The moment we start to cry out to God and and seek after God, our words are heard. And I have come in response to them. But the prince of the the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. There was a spiritual battle going on because I was detained there with the king of Persia. And now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. And so, Father, as we... Uh, dive into this word today, simple word, simple word that has the power to change and transform our lives when received by faith. And so, Lord, I pray that we would um, not just listen with our ears today, but that we would listen with the ears of our heart, Lord God. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Holy Spirit, let us move from the realm of the natural into the realm of the supernatural. Father, help us to Hear what you would have to say to us this morning, Lord God. I consecrate myself to you, Lord God. Let there be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of this word, Lord God. Just just pray that there would be freedom, bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. God, let us hear the word of the Lord today, I pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to speak on the subject, uh, releasing the power of God. A message is based on a simple principle that says... Physical obedience brings spiritual release. Uh, that, that, that is, uh, there, there are certain physical actions, certain behaviours, disciplines, that when we do them, uh, they have the capacity to release the power of God. Um, certain physical actions, certain behaviours, certain disciplines, that, that when we do them, they have the capacity to release uh, the power of God. All throughout the Bible, we see examples of this. Uh, people of Israel were about to enter into the promised land. Uh, there were cities uh, and giants to conquer. Uh, first of these cities was Jericho. Jericho was a fortified city. It was impenetrable. Uh, there was no way of going in. The walls were so thick that they would have chariot races on top of the, of the walls themselves. But God gave the people of Israel a strategy to conquer Jericho. 
and to take the city. The strategy was simple. March around the city for six days. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times. Then get the priests to get their trumpets out and to blow the trumpets. And then Israel was to give a really loud shout. I mean, a shout. And as they did that, the walls of the Jericho would come down. Now, Joshua, who was a pretty sharp dude, he'd, uh, he knew something about warfare and battle strategy. Uh, he, he knew something about fighting battles and warfare and all the rest of it. This, this, this was no ordinary strategy. Uh, I'm sure that uh, Joshua would not have studied this in, you know, warfare strategy at university when he studied that. It was not in a textbook anywhere to, you know, if you're going to take a city, march around six times. Interesting thing is, as the people of Israel obeyed, walls of Jericho came down. Um, there, There are some things in our lives that seem impenetrable. There are some situations in our lives which just seem like they're never going to come down, which they seem stronger than us, bigger than us, more powerful than us. There just doesn't seem to be a way to overcome. Greatest thing that we can do is go into the presence of God and talk to God about it, who's a warfare strategist. And I believe that he can give us some strategies to help us defeat our own Jerichos in the name of Jesus. Why did they need to march and blow trumpets and shout, blah, blah, blah? Why, why did they need to do that? What, what, what was the purpose of that really? Now, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe it was an act of obedience. It was an act that demonstrated their trust in God, that this battle did not belong to man. You see, if they would have, if they would have gone in with all their, you know, their warfare and you know, missiles and, and machine guns, and, and all the rest, if they would have gone in, they would have said, well, we won this battle. But God was giving them a strategy to tell them that this battle did not belong to them, that it belonged to God. And that he was the one that was going to overcome in the name of Jesus. And as they obeyed, the walls of, as they did some simple actions, as they did some simple things, blow a trumpet and shout, walls came down. Physical obedience that released the power of God. Another great example in the life of Elijah and Naaman, and we could go right throughout the Old Testament just for the record and go story after story after story. But here's another one. I love this one. Naaman is is an army general, but he has a little, little problem. He has leprosy. Leprosy back in Bible times was was like having cancer. His wife's servant, a young girl who was a a Jewish girl who'd been captured in one of the raiding parties, and she's a servant of, of uh, Naaman's wife, and she hears about his leprosy and says, why don't you go to Elijah, the prophet? Well, you know the story. He goes there, Elijah does. Elijah finds out that this dude is coming, and he wants to find out what's going on. Elijah doesn't even come out of the house. He sends his servant, and he says to him, uh, go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and you will be made whole. Imagine you've got a bit of an issue. You go to your specialist or your doctor, your GP, um, struggling with this particular, and the GP says to you, you know, I want you to go to the River Torrens. And <laughs> it happened here. You, you go in with one sickness and you walk out with 10, you know, out of the River Torrens. Uh, Naaman is disgusted. Uh, first with the disrespect. Here he was, an army general, uh, you know, and, 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 and Elijah doesn't even come out to talk to him. And then of all the rivers, the Jordan. 
And, you know, he's so disgusted, he's about to go, forget it, I'm not doing it. Well, his servant says to him as they're walking away, he's saying, well, what have you got to lose? What have you got to lose? So he goes. And sure enough, as he dips in the water, two times, three times, four, five, six, seven times, and on the seventh time, he was made whole. Now, surely God could have just healed Naaman, could have just said, be healed, off you go, see you later, and you're done. Why the Jordan? Why seven times? What was that all about? Now, I don't fully know the answer to that question. I'm not going to pretend that I do know the answer. What I do know is that has he obeyed God? Has he put his trust in the Word of God? Power of God was released. And he was made whole. Physical obedience that released the power of God. And there are times where God will ask us to do something in the physical realm. Power is not in what we do. It's not, it's not well, I did this and this and this. It's not, the power is not in what we do. Power is in what it represents. That it's a reflection of our heart done in faith. It's, 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 it's a reflection of our dependence on God. That God, this depends on you. Faith in God, desire in God. And as we obey, it's a simple thing. It's a simple action that as we obey, the power of God is released. That's what I want to speak about this morning. In particular, I want to give us a few areas in the Bible where this is true. And we're going to break bread together and share communion together. Four physical actions, four things that I believe have the capacity to release the power of God. And I've been praying this morning, yesterday, that God would do something in our lives today. Come on, church. I want us to believe that God would do something in our lives. This is church. This is, this is church. This is, not, this is not an arena somewhere. This is not the tennis. This is church. We've gathered in the presence of God. And when we gather in the presence of God, anything can happen. Anything can happen. I want us to believe for that in Jesus' name. First of the actions is the lifting of our hands. When we lift our hands, something powerful happens. You see, it's not so much that we lift our hands, but what it represents. Our hands give our heart a voice. Our hands give our heart an expression. Jeremiah says, let us lift our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. Let us lift up our heart. How do we lift up our heart towards God? Well, one of the ways that we do it is by lifting our hands. It's powerful. Lifting our hands is a physical action, but it's more than a physical action. It represents something about what's happening in our hearts. It represents our surrender to God. It, it, and, and as we do, it's just a simple thing that kind of, it's, it's, it's ludicrous, but it's as we do, something is released in our hearts. Great example of this in the life of the people of Israel. Come on, you know the story, church. If you've been in church circles very long, you, you'll know the story. It's Exodus 17. Israel's fighting the Amalekites. Joshua's in the valley lead, leading the battle. And Moses is on the hill with Aaron and Hur. Bible says as long as Moses held his hands in the air, the Israelites were winning the battle. But whenever the, he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. 
It's as if the victory in the battle didn't depend on Joshua's war strategy again. Uh, Joshua, here he is again, and, and certainly a, a great fighter. Uh, he understood something about, you know, conquering enemies and so on. But this battle did not depend on how uh, strong the Israelites were. It certainly didn't depend on the weapons that they had. It's as if the whole battle depended on whether Moses has his hands lifted up or they're down. It's crazy. Sounds crazy. So in church, there are some battles that we will face in life that will not be won because of how strong we are or how smart we are. Some battles we face are spiritual battles and the only way we're going to win them is by going into the presence of God and lifting our hands towards God. Come on, church. As we worship God, as we surrender to God, Saying, God, this battle belongs to you. That's what the, the lifting of the hands was saying. What was that all about? Well, it, well, it certainly wasn't a war strategy because it was having absolutely no effect. But there was, there, was, there was a natural battle and there was a spiritual battle going on at the same time. There were two battles going on. What was this about? This was about defeating them in the spiritual battle. Power is not in the lifting of the hands. It's in what the hands represent. Many of us are facing some natural battles, but there's a spiritual battle going on at, at exactly the same time. We can't see the spiritual battle, but it's just as real as the natural one. And it's as we win in the spiritual realm that we win in the natural realm. How do we win in the, natural, in the spiritual realm? Well, one of the ways is we go into the presence of God and we begin to lift our hands. And say, God, you know, this battle doesn't depend on me. It doesn't depend on what I'm doing, Lord God. That this battle doesn't depend on this strategy or the other strategy or this thought or the other thought. That ultimately this battle belongs to you, oh God. And it's a recognition of that. It's our hands give, give, it's a, give our heart a voice. Hands lifted are saying, God, I don't know what to do. I don't have any strength to fight, my, but my faith is in you. My trust is in you. And I know you have the power to defeat every work of the enemy. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Psalm 28 says, Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift my hands toward the most holy place. Paul says to Timothy, Therefore I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. Great scripture. Therefore, Paul is speaking to Timothy. Listen, Timothy, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands to God. Now, this principle here does apply to both men and women. It's, it's one of the ways that we pray. We, we pray by lifting our hands. We do that in church all the time. Um, but, but there's a sense here where Paul, in this, in this particular scripture in Timothy, where Paul is speaking specifically to the men and he's saying, listen, I want men to lift up holy hands. I want men to pray. I want men to surrender to me. I want men to cry out to me. Because there's something powerful about men lifting up holy hands and praying. Living in an age of, you know, equal opportunity and all the rest of it. I believe in all of that. I, I, I believe in all of that. And, um, you know, but, but there is something about men praying. Something about women praying too. The Bible has a lot to say about that too, please. This is not, this is not excluding or, or this is not saying one is better than the other and, and all the rest of it. So please, please. Um, but, but this is what I believe. This is what I believe. That marriages are different when men are lifting up holy hands. And th there's, a, there's a responsibility on men to do that. 
I believe families are different when men are lifting up holy hands and praying and crying out to God. I, I, I believe families are different. I believe churches are different when, when men are lifting up holy hands and worshiping and glorifying God. We, we have uh, men's activities from time to time and um, here at church. And one, one of the things I love the most about when we have those times is, is the worship time is to hear men sing. It's always out of tune, but it's good. It's good. It's good. It's great. It's just beautiful. There's just something beautiful about it. Men, men that are going into the, men who understand their role, men who understand what their, what their position is, that ultimately it's not about, you know, other issues, who's better and who's, men that understand their role, that their role, primary role is as the spiritual head of the home. And they come into the presence of God and lift up holy hands and worship and pray to God. Something happens when men begin to lift up holy hands and pray. I just want to encourage women, I want you to pray too, because we need prayer. Us men, we need prayer. We need a lot of prayer. Pray for us. But men, I want you to take this seriously. Come on, church. This will be a different church as men begin to lift up holy hands and pray. Physical obedience brings spiritual release. Second action is kneeling before the Lord. It's not something we do very often today, and yet the Bible has so much to say about it. Uh, and like the lifting of our hands, it's not so much the physical kneeling, but the kneeling or bowing down gives, gives our heart an expression. Kneeling is a reflection of what's happening in our heart. Kneeling represents worship and surrender and repentance. It, it represents humbling ourselves before God. I read in the text before, uh, Peter uh, uh, finds out that Dorcas has passed away. And so he goes there and he throws out everybody. And the Bible says he kneels and he prays. What was it about the kneeling? Why didn't he just stand and pray? Why did he have to kneel and pray? It's the kneeling that represents worship and surrender and dependence on God. It's humbling ourselves before God. Paul says that one day at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, that one day every knee shall bow in the presence of God. The other meaning of kneeling is desperation. There's this powerful story in the Gospel of Mark. I love this story. Jesus is traveling from town to town preaching and healing the sick and the crowds are following and a man, the Bible says, with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. If you're willing, you can make me clean. There it is again. Word came is significant because as a leper, he wasn't allowed to get close to anyone who didn't have leprosy. He was not meant to be anywhere near someone like Jesus. But seeing Jesus, he throws himself at his feet because Jesus was his only hope. What does kneeling represent? What does it mean to bow down? I tell you, I tell you one of the things it means. It means to come to, it means to, come to God in desperation. Lord, I need you. I need you, God. Some of you here today, you've come to church with some challenges. You're desperate. You don't know why you're going through what you're going through. You've que you questioned yourself. You're wondering, did, did you do something to deserve? Is this why we're going through this? What, 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 is, what is the purpose of all of this? And you feel ostracized. And if that's you today, I want to encourage you to come and just bow down before him. It's beautiful. We don't do it anymore. Bow, bow down before him. Back in the old days when we were, you know, we used to go to Queen Street and many, many years ago, I remember we used to come to church. First thing we used to do when we came to church was kneel and pray. 
As we got to church, first thing we do is just kneel in our seat and we would pray. Now, I know it kind of became religious, but there's something powerful about that. Just saying, God, today's service depends on you. We bow down before you. We humble ourselves before you. This service today is, 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 is dependent on you completely. It's not bowing of the knees per se that releases the power of God. It, it's, it's what it represents. It's not like, oh, Pastor Joe, now I understand why my prayers are not being answered. I'm not kneeling. Oh, if, so you're saying if I kneel, what about if I kneel and put my hands up? Well, does that mean I get like, is that like extra points? You know, uh, it's, it's not that at all. There's, there's nothing magic about the raising of the hands or the kneeling, kneeling per se necessarily. It's, it's about what's happening in our heart as we do those things. It's what it represents, a desperation for God. God, I need you. I need you. And I love what the Bible says about this leper. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing to be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. I, I want us to believe that Jesus would touch us today. As we come before him in his presence, that he would touch us today in Jesus' name. And whatever the leprosy represents in our hearts and lives, that it would be lifted. Third action that releases the power of God is the anointing of oil. Uh, principle comes out of the book of James. It's also found in one of the Gospels. But James says, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If they have sinned, they shall be forgiven. Again here, uh, we see an example of a physical action that releases the power of God. Um. Question is, why the oil? What is it about the oil? Why does a person need to call the elders and be anointed with oil? Again, I don't, know, I don't fully know the answer to that question, and I'll let you speculate and think about what that might mean. Maybe it's to do with the fact that we all need to depend on the church. That we need to be part of a community of faith. That our Christianity was never meant to be lived alone. That it was always meant to be lived within the context of a community. That there's something powerful about what we call the church that, that, that is protective about, about the church of Jesus Christ. That be, being a part of the church protects our soul, protects our heart. It protects our marriage, protects our families. There's something protective about this. God never intended for our Christianity to be done on our own. We grow together. And as we call for the elders to anoint us, with oil, I, I, I believe one of the things that happens is pride and self is broken in our hearts. Something is broken. We live in a world that's independent. You know, we, 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 it's about my way. Uh, I can do it. I, I don't need anyone. I don't need anyone to know what I'm going through. You know, uh, it's private. And I'm, I'm just, and I understand all of that. I, I understand all of, all of that. It doesn't, doesn't mean we put our issues onto the newspaper and let everybody know. I understand some of that. But some of that is about pride. I can do it my way. That's never the spirit of the church. We need each other. Come on, church. We need each other. We need each other. We, we, need, we, we need one another. The, the, we, we need each other to be able to live our Christian life. I've said many times, I love the story where there's the paralytic and the, and the four guys that are carrying the paralytic to Jesus. All of us need three or four people that will carry us to Jesus in our time of need. That's why life groups are so important. They're not, just a, they're not just a program that we have in the church. We believe in the power of together. We believe that we grow together. We believe that something happens when we are together that doesn't happen when we're alone. 
And maybe some of us are doing really well at the moment. That's great. But you know, there's someone who's not doing really well and they need us. I love Jesus. He's about to go to the cross. He's about, he's, he's about to face the, the most difficult time of his life. And he goes to Gethsemane to pray, but he doesn't go by himself. He brings Peter, James and John with him. Come and pray with me. This is, this is a difficult time. Come and pray with me. I wonder, do, do we have someone that can come and pray with us? Do, do we have two or three people in our lives that we could call when we're going through a difficult time and say, would you pray with me and for me? Because I'm just going through a horrendous time. Just something about the two or three. There's, some, there's something about the two or three gathering. There's something about the two or three asking that something happens. And, and I love James. He's saying, you call the elders. Now, now the, the, God could easily just heal the person. No, but he says, you call the elders. And they're going to lay hands on you. Calling for the elders of the church is saying, I can't do this on my own. I need your prayer. And the oil also represents the presence of God and the power of God. Right throughout the Bible, it, re- it represents the, the presence of God and the power of God, the grace of God, the oil. It's saying the only hope I have, the only answer I have is for God to intervene. Thank God for medicine and we are so blessed. But there are some sicknesses that only God can heal. And so we come to him in faith. And as we come to God with obedience, the power of God is released. Something's released. And healing takes place. Now, the power is not in the oil. You know, over the years, you know, people go, well, it's the oil, you know. <laughs> this one's from Israel. <laughs> this is good oil, you know. And, you know, it has to be extra virgin olive oil from, you know, wherever. It's not about the oil. It's not about the oil at all. It's what the oil represents. We need Jesus. And as we come to him in faith, the power of God is released. Something happens. The other action is the, that of prayer and fasting. As a church, we begin every year with a time of prayer and fasting. And this year is going to be no different. We've kind of set it back to February because, you know, January is a little bit difficult. But we've set it back a month. But uh, we're certainly going to be going through a, a time of prayer and fasting. Fasting is a discipline that is mentioned throughout the whole Bible. Uh, it's a physical discipline that has the capacity to release the power of God. Um, and again, we're going to be encouraging people to do uh, the Daniel fast. Daniel is seeking God for an answer to some, some questions that he has and uh, that Israel is fight, facing. And he begins to cry out to God and no reply is coming. So he begins to fast. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned. For three weeks, I ate no choice food, no meat or wine, touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. Daniel prays and he fasts for 21 days. And then two things happen. I love it, verse 10 and verse 11. Uh, Two things happen. God touches him and God speaks to him. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words. I'm about to speak to you and stand up for I have now been sent to you. I don't know about you, but I want a touch from God. And I want God to speak to me. I need a touch from God. I want God to speak to me. Because when God touches us, something changes, something something happens. When God speaks, his word is powerful. 
How can that happen? How can we experience that in our own lives? Remember the principles, physical obedience has the capacity to release the power of God and the presence of God. And we need to understand that the power is not in the 21 days. <laughs> you know, I've heard people over the years, you know, Pastor Joe, I didn't do 21 days, I did 42 days. Well, that's pretty good. <laughs> Some people think it's the 21 that is the important thing, you know, because if you do it for 20 days, no, nope, you missed out, Bzz, bad luck, you missed out, you know. It's the 21 days, you know, and so well, if you do it 42 or 63, then you get double or triple. That's not, that's not what the word is saying at all. The power is not in the type of fast, but why we fast. It's about our heart as we approach the fast. It's about what's happening inside of our hearts. It's not about the food that you eat and the food that you don't eat. That's not, that's not what the fast is all about. It's important, but, but, it's, but it's not what it's about. Or oh, Pastor Joe, can you eat this? Or, or what, what happens if I, if, I, if, I, if I eat this? Is that like on the list or not on the list? <laughs> People make it all about the fast and the, the type of food. Fasting needs to be a reflection of our desire to get closer to God. That's what this is about. It's not about the type of food or, or, or not. Or the, it, it is a little bit about that, but it's not, a, it's, not a, it's not about that. It's ultimately about a reflection of our desire to get closer to God. Say, God, I need you. I'm going to do away with something in the natural as I focus on the spiritual. It's a reflection of what's happening in our hearts. It's, it's saying, God, I, I need you to intervene. It's saying, God, I, I need a word from you. I, I need you to touch my life, Lord God. And after 21 days of prayer, an angel appears to him and says, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. And now I have come to explain what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns yet a time yet to come. God had heard his prayer, but there, but there was a spiritual battle going on. Here it is again that was resisting this. And Daniel, through prayer and fasting, broke through that resistance. Uh, listen, the enemy wants to resist the work of God in our lives. And then there are some spiritual battles and struggles that can only be won as we fast and pray. Jesus said in Mark 9, 29, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. Physical obedience that brings spiritual release. Something powerful about this. And we've been doing this at Life Christian Center for years now. We've been, we've been going through a season of prayer and fire. It's a powerful time. I want to encourage you to, to be a part of this, get involved with this in some capacity. So we're going to begin next, next Sunday, 3rd of, 3rd of February. Mark it in your diary. You've got a brochure this morning. Uh, sorry, you've got, a, you've got a leaflet that explains it. Third, um, we're going to close off the, this, uh, this Daniel fast at the end of February. Uh, what's the last date on it, Joe? 23rd of, 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 uh, of February, we're going to close it off. It's going to be a, a baptism Sunday and uh, just going to be a special time. We're going to take up an offering for missions and it's just going to be a powerful time. I want to encourage you to get involved with this in some capacity. For those that might be new to a Daniel Fast, we've got a brochure. You can pick it up at the info desk right now and it should be available on the website this week. Um, just briefly, the full Daniel Fast is basically eat fruit and vegetables and drink water. And uh, avoid, you know, sweets and all that kind of stuff, which is really hard. <laughs> um, there are some varieties of this. Some, some people say, well, Pastor Joe, I just can't do all of that. So I might give up, you know, some smaller things or, you know, social media, some people, or coffee or sweets or whatever. And it's all good. But can I just challenge you to take this seriously? Because I believe something can happen here. 
It's not about the fast. It's about, there's a, there's a, I set your, it's Daniel set his mind on seeking God. It's us setting our mind. So we're going to put some things aside. Food consumes our every day. Every day we're thinking about food. And for a period of days, time, we're going to put this aside. We're not going to focus on this. Instead, we're going to cry out to God and seek the face of God. And I believe that as we do that, something happens, something changes. Make this a time of consecration as we seek after God. And be specific about what you're praying for. And whatever you include in your list, you've got some personal needs, that's great. Pray for the church. Just pray and believe that God is going to do something in the life of our church. Power of God is going to be released. Presence of God is going to be released. That we're going to see God do some amazing things amongst us. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? Come on, church. I want us to get involved with this. As David said, you're going to be getting some devotions every week on social media. You're going to be able to get a hold of that. And let's be part of this because I believe that God can do it. You know, every time we've done the fast, and we talk about this with, with the leadership team, every, every, every time we do the Daniel fast, something happens. <laughs> it's never safe, but it's always God moving and doing something. And I believe this is going to be no exception that God is going to guide us and lead us. One, one final act of obedience that releases the power of God is communion. Communion is always a special time because it's an opportunity for us uh, to connect with God. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples before he's about to die uh, on the cross, he says, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And I believe that God eagerly desires to break bread together with us today. Again, the power is not in the bread or the cup. It's what it represents that's powerful. And when we take communion, something can, can be released. Uh, communion is not just about remembering an event. It's about an encounter with Christ. As we remember what Jesus did on the cross, our lives can be changed. We can be encouraged, set free, saved, healed find strength to serve God. Principle for today's message, pretty simple really. Physical obedience has the capacity to release the power of God. And as I said before, you know, in the church today, we've kind of become pretty intelligent and intellectual. And we say those external symbols are not important. It's just really about your heart. It's not really about what you do. Just about your heart. It is about your heart. There's no question about that. Some people might say, well, I feel like I'm humble, so I don't need to kneel. Or I, I feel like I'm worshipping. You know, Pastor, why do I have to clap? <laughs> it's silly to clap. <laughs> Clapping is an expression of our heart, of praise and worship to God. I feel like I'm close to God. I, why do I have to lift my hands to, to, to do that? Why do I have to do that? If God wants to heal me, I... Why, why do I need to be anointed with oil from an elder? Why can't he just heal me? And I can understand that our mind would say, you know, what difference is it going to make? And I understand all of that. What difference can eating vegetables and fruit for 21 days? Do you honestly think that can, that can change something in our lives? Do you honestly believe that? And I understand that kind of natural thinking. But, but, but as, as I read the Scriptures, I find that there's a very good argument for why we believe in, in Christ. And I understand all the, the apologetics that are powerful. 
But, but there are times where God will ask us to do something which just seems completely simple and nothing, but it has the power to transform and change our lives. Take the whole aspect of salvation. You know, how does a person, how is a person born again? How is a person born into the kingdom of God? Well, we need to recognize, number one, that we are loved by God, that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. We need to understand that all of us have got a debt of sin. We're all sinners. But the good news is that Jesus came some 2,000 years ago. He died on the cross. He took the punishment for our sins. And if we would just believe that and confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Saviour, we can be saved. It's, it's not, you know, eat vegetables. It's not, you know, lie on a bed. It's not pay this much money. It's none of those things. It's just confess the Lordship of Jesus Christ and you can be saved. It's the greatest miracle of all. And so we come into the presence of God. We hear a message as simple as this. And we go, you know what? I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour. I believe that He died on the cross 2,000 years ago for my sins. And I want to confess Him as my Lord and Saviour. And as we do, we say, Lord Jesus, I thank You that You died on the cross for my sins. Be the Lord and Saviour of my life. I give my life to You. As, as we pray that simple prayer or a derivative of that prayer, it's got nothing to do with the words. It's about the heart, but the words are important. The words are important because they give expression to our heart. As we, as we pray that simple prayer before the presence of God, miracle of salvation takes place. Transformation takes place. It's not just a, it's not a brainwashing. It's a heart washing. It's a, it's the whole box and dice. Complete transformation. Physical action, physical words that release the power of God. And there are times that God desires us to express what's in our hearts through actions. And as we do that, something in the natural, as we do something in the natural, the power of God is released in the spiritual realm. When an action is a reflection of our heart, when we act in obedience, when we act in faith, the power of God is released. It's just, it's just like Joshua and the people of Israel. They're marching around Jericho. They're marching around. They're marching, marching, marching. Marching? Are you serious? Marching around a city? What, what difference is marching going to do? Yet as they did, and began to shout. Jericho came down. Pray that God will do something in our lives today. In the name of Jesus. I'm going to invite the worship team to come and uh, going to lead us in worship as we prepare to break bread together. I'm going to invite the team that's going to help distribute the emblems to come forward as we uh, prepare to break bread together today. And as we do, um, I, I, I want us to approach communion with faith. I want, to, I want us to approach it not just intellectually, but I want us to approach it with our heart and with faith and allow God to move in our lives. Even today, in the name of Jesus. So the brethren are going to distribute the emblem. Just want you to hold them in your hands and we're going to take communion together in just a moment. Thank you.